look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Content is king. So if you have some content you need created, hit up IOPvideo.com. Video production, podcasting, you name it, we can do it. IOPvideo.com. We make things look pretty. Hey, man. Thank you for coming on our show, bro. I really appreciate it. I've been trying to get this for a long time, Bush. Yeah, dude. No, thanks for having me, bro. I'd do anything for you, bro. You know that. Oh yeah, dude. I, I man, uh, I uh, when I was listening to your to your, I I just I just saw you on the What's Up Fool podcast recently, and with Felipe, uh, with, dude, that was a good episode, man. Because I listen, it's crazy because I listened to that guy's podcast. Like I, you know, I listened to it. Uh, you actually listen to it when your friends aren't on it. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's why I was like crazy to see you on there. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> that's. <laughs> You know, like, right. yeah, like seeing someone you watch, you know, regularly, and then they're, they're, you know, they're talking to some guy you've, you've hung out with before, you've smoked in his apartment before. Someone you know, you, like someone you know, bro, someone you fucking know. Right. It's we're crazy. Just, we're not. We don't just kick it every once in a while. We're fucking homies, dog. Yeah, dude. And and it's like, uh, that was awesome, man. Cause like some of those stories you you told on there, you've told me in private, like you know, and and it's. Yeah. it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and it just uh you know what it did man i'm gonna be honest it made me miss comedy like not not just performing stand-up but yeah. the camaraderie with comics and i haven't right, had that right. in a long time yeah i think we're all missing that right now bro yeah and and, and uh one of the things that i like <laughs> i've shared this story on the podcast before uh and i've, I've shared it with my co-host here was oh guys you still there yeah we're yes. right here Oh, right on, right on. Hey, hey, Butch, this is a weird way to introduce. These are my co-hosts, Joaquin and Phil. What Oh, Phil, what's up? Hey, hey. How's it going? Believe it. These guys are sober. Wow. <laughs> Don't drink. Nah. Yeah. One of the one of my favorite stories, dude, from, from you know, because I performed with you many times. You did. You did. I remember the first time I performed with you, I was going to say the ramen, but it wasn't the ramen. It was actually... Uh, Beck's Beck's bar in Berkeley. That was a long time ago. I was hosting Beck's bar uh, by the train station, right? Yeah, right by the train station. It's something yeah. else. But that was the first time I ever performed with you, and you know, hey, I, wait a minute, no, that's the one in downtown for, uh, off Shattuck, right? Yep, off Shattuck. That was what it was like, like, like weird little room up there. Man, I remember that actually really well, really really well, dude. Like, I hadn't been to Berkeley in years, and that was the first time I'd been back to Berkeley. And there was like some fucking, there's like some black chick, like, it's like, oh my God, bro, fucking gorgeous big titties, dude. And I was just like, fuck, <laughs> dude, I forgot how, I forgot how much I love Berkeley. Oh, dude, that was one of, uh, you know, what's funny about that day, I remembered your set because, um, like, don't get me wrong, like, I, I, I had seen a lot of these. I was pretty new to comedy. That was uh, Johan Miranda book that one, right? Yeah, that was Johan. Yeah, shout out to Johan, bro. Fuck, yeah, man. Dude. I remember that. I remember that dog. Yep. I I just talked to that guy recently. I haven't talked to him in years, but yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm kind of happy we're still friends with him because he kind of. No, yeah, it just he, he, you know I, we I mean, just haven't seen people in a while, and you kind of uh, 
you you make new friends and whatever you know life just kind of got you in though right he's the guy who kind of brought you around he he basically introduced me to you know what i'll say about him he he introduced me to 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 perform to get it like getting up there and performing and he the way he brought me in was hosting because he said there's not a lot of pressure in hosting yeah he did because it's actually harder some in some cases because you're going up first <laughs> well you know to give <coughs> excuse me um <coughs> uh to give johan a little bit of credit here uh i think he was new at the time himself he wasn't he hadn't been around that long maybe a few years yeah and you know and, and people under are under like so many comics are under the impression that uh you that hosting is for new guys and it's for beginners and it's an easy slot and it's like Nah, nah, man. I, I hate that whole fucking sentiment. You know, hmm. and not not to go against Johan. Like I said, he was young, and I bet you, I bet you a million bucks, Johan would be like, no, it's complete. It's not. It's not a low pressure job. Like right. if you want to be a slouch and you don't want to like kick ass, then yeah, I guess it's a no pressure job. But you got to remember names. You got to remember announcements. You know, like, and, and I don't think that's the case though, because to me, like. MCing is the most important job in the whole show, even above the headliner himself. Really? Yeah, because the headliner just has to do what the headliner does. He doesn't have to do anything extra. He has to do what he does every night. Like, I'm a headliner now, so I don't, like, bro, you tell me I'm going to do an hour. All right. You know, I'll lock in my hour in my brain, and I know what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? As a host, you don't know what's going to happen. Because you could get someone that bombs on the first tryout. You know, the first guy goes up, he bombs. You got to bring the funny back up for the next yeah. guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then even yeah. then, the second guy might bomb too. And you got like, dude, you got to carry the show sometimes all the way to the headliner. And then on your back. On your back. So, like, that's the thing, man. Is like, you, I feel like the host is the most important job. Right. You know, um, in the end, there before we uh, before we got sheltered in place and all that shit, man. I started asking um, people if they would just let me host. You know, as a headliner, I would go show up to a show. I'd be like, you know, uh, you know, I, I would go. How important it is for you to have me headline? You know, they were like, well, I really wanted to come out and headline. Then I'll headline. But if I was like, hey, do you mind if I host? Because to me, I started to feel rusty on my hosting skills. And that's the other thing. As a headliner, you lose touch with the audience. The host has the audience. They know the audience. Because they went out there when they were sober. They went out there. They're there through the middle of the show. They're going up every time. They're getting to know them. They have to pay attention to the show. So they know what the audience is laughing at and not. And what started to happen was, like, I felt like I was losing my touch with the audience. Because one of the things that I love so much about comedy is the interchange of energy between me and the audience. And I was losing that energy and I couldn't figure it out. And finally someone was like, dude, go back to hosting. Like you'll you'll refresh yourself, you'll remember what it was like, and you'll you'll uh, you'll get that experience you're looking for, and then you know it, you could go back. So I started hosting. You know, I would go do cheaper than therapy and Sam would have me uh, you know, headlining. 
and and I would go, no, nah, can I can I host tonight? And I think she let me host a couple of times, so she realized like, fuck that, this guy's fucking crazy. <laughs> the other thing is, is like, you have more fun as a host, right? You know, like you can have more fun. Like I have fun as a as a as a headliner, but man, I get to come up in the middle, I get to talk some shit. You know what I mean? I get to bring on the next act, and like, and I love bringing on acts. I don't know if you've ever seen me host, but it's like. I've never seen you host, bro. I've only so seen you I, headline. I do a whole thing, bro. I do a whole thing. Like, I don't just go up there and be like, hey, what's up, everybody? Give it up. Uh, you know, give it up for fucking Chris Storen or whatever. You know what I mean? Nah, like, yeah, I, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't go. I'd be like, what's up, everybody? This guy right here, he's done this, this and that. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up real big for Chris Storen. You know what I would you, do? You hype that. it up. Yeah, I hype it up because that's your job as a host. And that's why I always would get mad when people would hand off like hosting jobs to new guys. Cause right. it's like, uh, like when I'd see a bad host, I'd be like, oh man, now I'm gonna carry the whole now I'm really gonna have to carry the weight at the end. You know what's the crazy thing? I, I guess I guess uh because you did, you know, that the reason I got brought in when he when he started me off is because I had been I was like a hype man for a DJ before I got before I did comedy. So I guess he probably thought Cause in this, now that I think of it, I only hosted twice. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is like, uh, you know, but even back then, I think I thought hosting was for new guys. You know what yeah. I mean? Like when I look yeah. back at that time, it wasn't until like, man, let's see, I've been in comedy for 16, 17 years now. It wasn't until like five or six years ago that I was like, you know, oh, hosting is a very important job. It's a very, you know, that's the thing is like, I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. Um, I've had a few um, huge comedians tell me, look, you just because you become a headliner, headline you so like the way you work your career is in layers. Right. Like, I'm a headliner now, but I'm a low end headliner. Yeah. Like I'm not a national headliner, I'm not performing everywhere, but you know, JD calls me up, headlines the show, cool. You know what I mean? Like fucking she was therapy has me, you know, go, you know, but like when I go work with like Joe Diaz and Felipe Esparza. And those guys, I'm back to hosting. You know what I mean? Right. Even at some point, dude, if I'm like, like if I'm like, look at Kevin Hart, bro. Right? Kevin yeah. Hart has a fucking, he has an empire. But he's still hosting award shows. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Hosting right. is a fucking skill. And that's, 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 that's a, no, definitely. That's a guy. That's not just anybody can host the Oscars. Right. Not just anybody can host, period. You know what I mean? Like, Oscars is the pinnacle of hosting, I guess. But, like, bro, you, if you give me, you know, the ramen, and you go, Bush, I want you to host the ramen. One, I ain't going to be insulted. I'm going to be like, bro, I'm going I'm to fucking host my ass off for you. And even if it's the ramen with graffiti and fucking, like, couches <laughs> fucking nailed to the wall and, yeah. you know what I mean, and a rattlesnake in the fucking bar. <laughs> I'm, you know, still, I'm still gonna go up there and 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 bring it up like a fucking fight. Like, because to me, it's like like I love. I used to watch like the 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 old fights, and they had the one dude who would be like, "Let's get ready to rumble." Yeah. I fucking love that dude more than I love the boxer because that was your hype man. You know what I mean? Right. When you heard that, you were like, "Whoa, it's about to go down!" Right? And like that was the thing, man. Is like for me, it was like I love doing that, dude. I love putting my friends up like that. That's huge, dude. Because I've been to shows where like the host's energy 
is really down and it's, it's not hyping you up for the next guy or where they don't do that thing. And I made this mistake myself where you don't do someone bombs and you're like, Oh, thank God this other guy's next. Cause he's going to bring back the funny where right. like you just said, I'm supposed to do that shit, you know, <laughs> bring back the funny. Yeah. yeah. You're supposed to set the stage for the next guy and you can't really do that. If the room's still down, right. you know, you gotta, right. or if you lose you your know. attention, that like if the one comic loses their attention and they start looking at their, you know, like they start getting rowdy. I noticed that I've seen, I've seen, like uh, uh, who was it? Chris Riggins. He hosted. Oh, I remember that. He hosted that first ramen show we did where you were headlining. Right. And um, there was a couple incidents where the the crowd just kind of lost attention because you know everybody's on dope and everybody's right. Yeah, you yeah. got comics you don't really like. I mean, not everybody's gonna do a good job in an environment like that. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's a punk rock. Like dungeon. that's what I appreciated about you, man. Because like I saw like. I've, there's a couple of guys that I've that I've you know in in the in the Bay Area scene that I've seen that they can do any fucking room, man. And I I didn't even think that was gonna. I mean, if dude, if the Burnt Ramen was still open, I would love to do a show because I love that I, energy. I would film my fucking special at the Burnt Ramen if it was still open. Man, it it might. I mean, we it could probably. They're working on getting it back. Good. good. But I'll tell you one thing, bro. I'm a gritty person. Right. Like right now, if I film a special, I'm gonna film it at the fucking Clayton Valley Ball in Clayton Valley, which Holy is shit. like like a dirty, grungy ass bar. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Because when I go to the improv and you got motherfuckers dressed up to come out, you know, and they go they're paying twenty dollars for a fucking drink, they need you, they they expect so much of you. And that's great. You should deliver your best. Right. Okay. And I always deliver my best. But I don't want to perform for a bunch of ungrateful fucks. You know what I mean? Not that they're ungrateful, <laughs> but it's like they're definitely expecting something. You show up at the Burnt Ramen. You show up at Clayton Valley Ball. You show up at fucking Joe's fucking drink fucking like drink lab or whatever the fuck is out there. These little shitty bars and stuff. Those crowds aren't expecting much from you. Right. So when you deliver, when you just deliver, period... It's like, damn. But when you go above and beyond for them, they are losing their mind for you. Like, when I show up at Clayton Valley Bowl, bro, I, I get an applause when I walk in. I get love. I get people, like, like the bartender's like, here's some, dude, oh, shit, oh, yeah, here's some drinks, man. You know what I mean? Like, I love that. I love that not because I want to be pampered, not because I want to feel special. It feels because, like family, no? Because it's like family. Because it's like, dude, it's like, Oh shit, we haven't seen each other in a while. Let's go through this experience again. You know what I mean? And I'm accepted by these people. You know, like Clayton Valley is like uh I don't know if you know where that's at. It's a little bit uh east of it's by uh, Concord, no? Right, it's by Concord. And it's fucking yeah, I think I've been territory, there. it's our territory. It's right. uh you know, it's 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 conservatives too. And yeah. I'm not a conservative person. But these people love me. If you go on my Facebook right now, you'll see me shitting on Donald Trump all day long. You know what I mean? I fucking hate that motherfucker, and I hate what's going on right now. But these people don't give a fuck about I, I mean, the time. orange one makes it easy, right? Well, he, he can make it easy, but I don't talk about that motherfucker. I don't give him, I don't give him room at all. No, no I mean, to joke about. Right. Mm. He does, but I don't do that. I don't give him no room. You, you don't talk about him at all when you when you like I've never I haven't seen you perform since that day you came to do my 
my show at the at the bridge, like you know, because I we just haven't. Uh, right. Yeah, he's low hanging fruit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. look, man, I'll tell you how you become a good comedian. Okay, I, I was telling my buddy this today. I am not probably going to be famous one day. I'm probably not going to be a millionaire. I'm probably not going to have an HBO special. But I am someone who's respected by um, great comics, and and I know that because I'm a good comic. I know that I'm a good comic because of that. Right. You know what I mean? I heard you bit. I heard you were mentioned. You were mentioned on the, one of the biggest podcasts recently, Joey Diaz's podcast. Joey Diaz and Felipe were talking. About, I think that's what caused Felipe to hit me up. Yeah. You know, but yeah, dude, I toured with Joey. I'm good friends with Joey Diaz. I'm good friends yeah. with Willie Barcena. I'm good friends yeah. with. You know, like, I, I'm good friends with a lot of those dudes. And then some dudes, like, you know what I mean? Like, some dudes just have had my mouth, my name in their mouth. And that's cool. I'm good. I'm good with that. Right. But I'll tell you the one thing that I do know. Maybe I might not even be a good comic, but the one thing I'll tell you I know, I know this business. And I know this business because I love this business with all my heart. Like, I don't give a fuck where I'm at. I'm going to do comedy the rest of my life. I don't care if I don't get no offers. I don't care if I don't get no hits on my fucking podcast. I don't give a fuck if I'm stuck in the same apartment that I'm in now. I'm still going to do comedy till the day I die because I love it. So that makes me an aficionado. And the one thing that makes a good comic, the one thing I'll tell you that makes a good comic is you never go for the low-hanging fruit. The first thing that comes to your mind, cool. That's a joke. That's the same joke that everybody's going to have when, when they think about that shit. Yeah. The second one and the third one are the same thing. The fourth one is going to be your, like, your first piece of gold, right? But the thing for me is, bro, I go beyond the fourth. I go beyond the fifth. I find that sixth one, that little hidden gem that's in the back of the cave that's a good fucking piece, you know? And that, to me, is like how you become a good comic, by constantly finding those fucking... You know, when, you, when you're, when you're a, a, a miner out of diamonds, you know, you got to, like, find that, like, it just looks like a rock. I don't know if you've ever seen a raw diamond. It's like, it doesn't look like it. And, and I, as the comic, I got to ask you this. What what brings that out of you? Doing, like, more open mics or just writing that shit that comes to your mind all the First, time? I'll tell you guys this, okay? You open mic it for, like, five or six years. And then you get to the point where you learn to write on stage or you learn to write, period, and that you could work it out on stage, and then you don't go to any more open mics. I made that mistake. I was open micing for like 10 years. And then finally it was like Connor Calicut came up to me one night, and he was like, uh, why are you fucking doing open mics? You know, and like, bro, like once you get to a certain point where you know how to write jokes, open mics aren't good for you anymore. Because you might have a piece of gold, and you and you throw it out there and then they don't laugh because they're not into it or they're burnt out or whatever element you know what i mean yeah it's like <laughs> like it's like the rolling stones performing satisfaction like the 900th time right but let's say rolling stones never performed satisfaction before like to a crowd that's never heard it before right oh yeah you know what i mean and then the crowd's like this song sucks <laughs> you know like the like like that's the thing and so like you know i go well dude don't you got to practice you know like don't you have to work out all the time he goes no you know how to write jokes you've mastered writing jokes for however long you've been going to fucking open mics so you know how to write a joke at home and and it, and you know how to make it work at night right and i'm like yeah i've definitely done that 
And I do that now where I'll think of something and I know it's going to slap. You know what I mean? It may not kill, it may not murder, but I know it's going to slap. So I'll get up there, say my shit. People kind of chuckle. All right. Then the next time, I at the next show that's booked, I'll go ahead and like polish it up a little bit, polish it up a little bit more. You know, and I throw it in the middle somewhere where it's not like too invasive. But, but that's the thing like, is I work it out with the crowd. Like I'm able to like I'm able to come up with a thought now because I've trained myself to write. I'm able to come up with a with a thought and go, that's gonna that's gonna work tonight. That'll definitely work. It may not kill it, but I know this is gonna I know I can get them to laugh at this. I I wanna ask you this because I've seen you perform uh there was this, there was the show at Bex, for example, you did it twice, but the second time you came back, you actually headlined. And this is what I saw you do that day that I, like, I don't know if this is just, how often do you do this? For example, that day, the, 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 the last comic before you went up, the day you were headlining, I think this was the second time. The, the, the previous comic went at it with somebody in the front row about porn. They were talking about porn. And then okay. you were listening. And I don't know if you, you this is just kind of like stage magic. You know that stage magic that happens sometimes? Uh -huh. yeah. You came on and you did a whole 20 minutes of porn with with based on the conversation those two were having back and forth. And it was just crazy. You just it seems like you were freestyling about porn for like 20 minutes. You and know what it, I thought one time, bro, that, that inspired me to do that? Was was that? I was doing a doubleheader with uh, Joey Diaz and uh, Ari Shakir. Oh shit! Okay, I was hosting, and and because there was no middle act, I was kind of middling too. So I carried a little bit more like time, right? Yeah. And uh, they would switch off as headliners. This is when Joey wasn't what Joey is now. Right. Um, and Joey was a hundred times better than Ari, but Ari had a big name, so they were like switching off. And um, one night Ari went up before Joey. And at the end, Ari has a joke about how morning breath is gross, and but my girl wants me to wake up in the morning and eat a pussy. If your morning breath is bad, what is your what is your pussy gonna smell like? Right, <laughs> that kind of joke. Right. <laughs> so Joey goes up. So he gets up. That's his closer. I go up. I bring Joey up. Joey gets up there and goes, "Get up, Bertha bra. Get up, Ari Sophia." Let me tell you, I don't know what the fuck Ari's talking about. Those bitch opens up her legs and eat my pussy in the morning. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to put ketchup <laughs> on that motherfucker and eat that shit all day long. And the crowd, bro, like, we were in San Francisco, right? And, like, the whole weekend. Let me tell you, this is the best show I've ever seen in my fucking life to this day. <laughs> Joey's killing it. He's killing it, but he's not killing it to his standard. And in my mind, I know he's not killing it to his standard. Right. And he's sitting there and he's like uh like in the green room before this show starts and he goes, I don't know what's been going on. Dog, like I can't get him for I can't get him where I want him. Like I think I'm just afraid of them for some reason, you know? And like this is at the beginning of this like this social fucking justice bullshit movement that we're stuck in right now. Canceling uh, comedian shit? Sort of, but it's not there yet. But if you say some off-color shit, yeah. like, they're gonna they're gonna come after you. And it was, can like, yeah, cancel culture before we called it cancel culture. Right, right. So Joey was like, man, and I go, look, bro, they're here to see you. Okay? This whole crowd, this crowd, this place wouldn't be packed if it wasn't for you. Right. 
Because you got to know that. And the plus, you're Joey Diaz. Why do you give a fuck what anybody thinks about you, right? Like, we had this long talk. I'm not saying I made that motherfucker change his mind or anything, because I think he was already there. But that's what he started out with. And then he turned that show upside down. Like, he took that that fucking house, and he shook the fucking roof. So, like, I mean, that that set was... I, I still think about that night, and I get goosebumps thinking about how good it was. And so when I saw Joey do that, like, when I saw him just come up off the top about what Ari had done, I think that's where I was at at that moment. You know what I mean? I could not have been. I can't. I can't really recall that. But I know that's what I do now. Like, if I hear a comic say some dumbass shit that doesn't work for them, you know, and it's like, it doesn't work because the crowd's not agreeing with you. Right. You know what I mean? Or, like, it maybe worked, but it didn't work that great. I don't know how that dude did with that joke. But I'm pretty sure in my mind, I was like, let me show you something. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And it's like, I'm not going to steal these jokes from you. I'm not going to do your jokes, but I'm going to talk about what you're talking about for right now. And it was, and you took it to different angles. I remember that day because, like, you took it to wide range. Like, you went, they were doing, like, they were staying within the lane of watching porn. Right. And, you, and then I remember, and I mean, I you probably don't even remember <laughs> what you said that day. I don't uh, know. No, but I, I remember a lot that what you were talking say it, about. Say it, say it. Say okay, so one of the things that you were saying is because the, the, the person who, who had heckled, I believe it was like Juan Medina or something. They heckled him about porn. And um, and then you were talking about how old are you? And I believe the guy was probably like 21. You're like, you probably could just go go to bed and close your eyes and imagine something and come as you're jacking off. Like, <laughs> and you said, I literally got to have bitches shit on my chest and choke me with the belt to, get me, <laughs> to just get me hard. Some shit like that. <laughs> when I was thinking like, is this... I remember thinking, because you could usually tell when, I mean, at that point, I thought I could tell when someone's doing an act, you know, or some stock yeah. shit, or like whatever. But it just sounded like, I think this guy's not kidding. <laughs> no. Well, here's the thing, man. Um, I've been a sick fuck, and I'm always, and like, ever since I was a kid. Yeah. You know, like, I have fucked up fuck. I always have fucked up fuck. Right. Point where, like, my family was like, dude, they're seriously, like, my parents were loving parents. They weren't bad parents. But they were like, dude, there's seriously something wrong with our son. He thinks like my mom thought I was gonna be a serial murderer when I grew up. Oh shit. Like, she literally she tried to get me in the program. She tried to do everything she could to just beat the devil out of me. Yeah. And it was like, no. And and I'll tell you, man, we keep talking about Joe Diaz, but I didn't even like comedy before I got into comedy. I like when people are like, Who's your favorite comic? Who inspired you? It was I don't I mean, I used to watch Cheese for John, I listened to Howard Stern, but I didn't follow comedy. And right. I just thought it was a ridiculous notion that people got paid to bitch about their problems. Like most comics, yeah. most comics in the nineties just complained. Okay. Yeah. So one night my dad's like, Hey man, because my parents always wanted me, me to be a comedian. You know, like my, like that's yeah. a weird thing that I have in my life. That's a weird element. Is that most kids are like their parents like don't want that. My parents were like, Look, dude, you're gonna you're gonna end up getting shot by somebody someday. So <laughs> but you're a funny motherfucker, so maybe you should do comedy. So my dad was always, he would bring home lines. You know, they, they saw your natural gift and they were like, who is that? What? So it sounds like they saw your natural gift and they were like, embrace that. Yeah, Good. I think that's what it is, man. To be honest with you, um, I think that's what it was. But I just thought it was ridiculous. My dad would bring home like open mic flyers when I was like 18, 19 living at home. 
And at this point, man, I, I had to have been like 26, 25 years old, bro. Wow. I'm in the deadest end of job of my life. I'm, I'm a bartender at, at the caravan in downtown San Jose. Yeah. And, you know, bartenders don't have a great future. Like, you get old, you're not pretty no more. Nobody wants to fuck with you. You know what I mean? And I knew that. I, yeah, I knew I was fucked. You know what I mean? And, like, um, I'm sitting there in the middle of the night. It's, like, 2 in the morning. And my dad said, hey, if you get a chance, there's a show There's a, there's a a show on Showtime called Biosos. Oh, like, yeah. Just check out the comedy there. There's a guy at the end, big, fat, Italian-looking dude. Like, I think I think that guy, like, like just watch that guy. You know, because I would tell my dad all the time, like, comedy is stupid. This is a fucking dumb craft. No, that's crazy that, that you thought that, man. Right, right, right? <laughs> and so I I watched Joey Diaz in the middle of the night. I remember my son's mom, we were married. And she had to wake up, tell me to shut the fuck up, because I was howling so hard <laughs> at that set. And what it was, man, was this dude was talking about eating that monkey in the morning and, like, fucking bitches and that purple monkey. And I love the way that little monkey looks in the morning. And it was he like... Talk, he talked about uh, about how when he fucks two pumps and then he, he has, he's breathing, he's lightheaded. Yes, right. Yeah, that shit was like... <laughs> bro, it was magical because it was like, oh, maybe I can be a comic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe, like, right. that's what I talk about. And 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 then like I think it was a year later I was still working at the caravan. Shout out to Rachel who runs the caravan to this day. She used to be a comic, and uh, and I think she still does comedy uh, from time to time. But she was like, you know, and her dad was like fucking George Carlin's like fucking roadie, and her brother's Taryn Killen from fucking Saturday Night Live. Yeah, she's a comic herself. She's like one of like respected comics at the time in the Bay. And she goes, look, man, I never said this to anybody before, but you should actually do comedy, you know? And so I tried it. After that, after seeing someone, like, just talk about their life or what they thought, you know, I was like, oh, fuck, you know? Like, um, it wasn't, it didn't seem scripted. It didn't seem, like, polished, you know? Like, I, like, I saw Eddie Murphy, dude. Like, I saw both <laughs> movies. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's funny. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, uh, why people are so fascinated right you know and like uh but when i saw joey diaz i was like bro that's what you talk about like dude that's you know so what you, what you just said earlier about like you know how you were comparing like going going to do a show at the improv and like all these people paid you know their money and they're all dressed up and right. you know they're getting whatever the waitress is bringing in their drinks i think i think i know like I, it kind of comes back to this because like that's how i felt when i was like for example that day i saw you uh when you were headlining that's kind of what i i mean it, you know it wasn't a celebrity like joey diaz but it was like you and i think the difference was you know the intimacy of those smaller whatever rooms it, it feels like a, like you're killing it at a dinner table as opposed to like a stage performance right and and i think when you see a comic that's for me like that like you know seeing you perform a lot of these local comics that i saw like seeing them live is what made me think oh shit like this literally could just be me you know like i never and then yeah like seeing the really polished act it doesn't make you feel that way and that's i had the same thing where i didn't really want to be a comic it was actually it seemed impossible like watching the first one of the first specials i watched was uh uh chris chris rocks uh what was the one with the leather 
when he's wearing the leather uh, jacket, uh, bigger and blacker or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking like, damn, like that's that's that seems impossible. But when that day, for example, this is why I wanted to have you on the show because I wanted to share that. So that day that I saw you going off on that whole porn thing, it made me think like, holy shit, like just it's it's possible in to do it your way. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. a lot of these guys, they seem like they're they're tic tac toeing with what they're doing. right. And that's cool, man. And I'll tell you, man, like that's a lot easier path. You know what I mean? To 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 be clean and clever, to have structured jokes, right? To like uh, be part of a, a group of funny ass guys <laughs> and to get along with everybody. Like that's an easy route in comedy to me. And and if that suits you, then go for it. Yeah. But um, when I showed up, I didn't like nobody. Um, I didn't get along with nobody. I didn't give a fuck what anybody thought about me. <laughs> I wasn't even trying to do comedy to fucking make money. I was just fucking. It was an outlet. It was like going. It was like going to a fight club in the middle of the night. You yeah. Know what I mean? Like <laughs> I wanted it to be like that. I didn't want to do the improv, bro. I was already doing the improv at that time. You know, and my first show was at the improv. So I know what that crowd was like. But the first time I had some taste of blood, you know what I mean? When I was like in a dank ass fucking bar in the middle of nowhere, you know, and I'm sitting at the back with my little fucking tablet, like my little like writing, you know, uh, thing. And I'm just writing down shit, like trying to fucking like do what I'm doing. And then like, you know, I go up and I try to do these structured jokes and they don't work. And so I step back for a minute and then I just started like, talking about my thoughts and do you, like, do you ever oh, get writer's block man because of like you know only when i'm trying to write only when you're when trying, trying to write. write yeah only when i'm trying to write every time i try to write i get writer's block the way i don't get writer's block is if i just go like if i just like dude like and that's the thing man like my new thing was fuck bro you're making me miss comedy dog um <laughs> Man, like I'm like fuck, dude. I'm Crazy because I was just watching that Payaso thing recently. I'm trying to push this shit out of my mind every day. Yeah, because I don't know when we're gonna come back <laughs> to it. And this shit's bringing back a lot of a lot of uh, strong memories. But you know, one of the things, man, that I was trying to do in the end, like I'd say it was about a year ago. I'm in the car, and I'm not trying. Listen, man, every comic will tell you 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 hit a you hit a ceiling as far as like feeling it and having a good time right so i'm yeah. not trying to say like oh look how good i am or like this is some weird flex but um i got sick of killing it you know and i remember like i remember getting mad at chris Dorn for telling me he was sick of killing it and i would go why what i don't get it bro you just smashed it up there and he'd be like you'll see one day bro he's like you'll see one day okay um and like and uh and you do you get to a point where you just phone in your set and then and everybody's dying. And I hated that. Once I got to that point where I could like where I had a set and it was down and it killed, and it's like, bro, I hated that. I fucking hated that. And I would like, you know, I would just go up and phone it in. Go up and phone it in. I remember on this one particular day, we're driving up to Santa Cruz. We're going to the Santa Cruz brewery. Shout out to Harag, my boy out there. And uh and and uh, I got my head against the window, and I'm all sad like a fucking puppy that's going to the vet. And my girl's like driving, and she goes, "What's what's the problem here? What's wrong?" I go, "It's just it's just it's just a job to me now. It's just a job. 
like it's a cool job and I get to travel, but this is just work now. I just want to finish this shit and go home. Wow. I play video games and just chill. <clears throat> and um, you know, and I was because at the same time, because it was just a job, you know, and I did and I felt like cruddy about that. Because I somehow found turned my passion into a day job, which is what I was trying to get away from, which is goes against my whole thinking. And we get there and I get up, okay, and there's these two people in the audience that have like matching for it looked like they skinned a wolf and made best out of them. Right? These two white people, bro, like the nerdiest white people you ever seen. A guy and a girl. And I get up there and I start talking for a minute and I go and I start I go I go into my routine, right? And I look down at these people and I go, look damn. Um, I gotta ask you guys. <laughs> you know what? And and I removed myself so far from that day that you saw me at um at that what was it called again? X. Yeah, Bex. I had removed myself. Like I'd become a polished comedian. Right. I had a set. I had like I had like uh I, I had I had things that I would talk about, you know, and I had like things written down in paper, and I was like, you know, and that this is how you're supposed to be. But I stop and I look at these people and I go, excuse me, um, where the fuck did you get those vests? <laughs> like, did you guys kill a wolf on the way over here? And then they go, both of them look at each other and go, this is our first date. We met on Tinder and we just both wore this at the same time oh shit and like i lost it bro and in the corner were some bices uh that were the brewers bro and i was so happy to hear that they, they, they're the brewers of that brewery <laughs> and i started talking to them and like i was like these crazy white people and then there's college students and some of them are white girls who are getting offended and some of them are asian chicks who are laughing and i just started picking off the crowd i just started interacting with the crowd i just like it was no longer a show that was just was a bunch of people watching me perform and that was part of the problem too bro it was like i wanted to not make it about me anymore yeah like, I was trying to make my whole life not about me you know what i mean i know it sounds like, like i'm up here talking about myself but i really like i do my best to suspend my ego and it's something i've been working on you know and at the time i was practicing mindfulness and like you know i was not comedy felt like it was getting in the way of me trying to lose my ego and and which is hard when you're killing it like you are you like you know yeah, if you're killing yeah. it a lot yeah and so what i did was i found a way to interact and exchange energy with the whole audience right you know and what i would yeah. do is i would get feedback from them but i wouldn't give them enough rope to start being able to heckle and keep talking like i'd rip it right out of their hands and i'd go to the next guy <laughs> then i'd go to the next guy then i'd talk for a minute and then i'd hit up what are you doing over there with that thing you know and, and you pull I, them into the show yeah, I pulled him into the show. And at the end, bro, people were walking up to me and being like, man, I've never experienced anything like this. And I, I got in the car and I looked at my girl and I'm like, this is how I want to do comedy the rest of my life. Like, I don't want to be the material anymore. I don't want to talk. Now, at that point, at that point, how, how many years had you been doing comedy already? This is like a couple of years ago. So I was like 14, 15 years in. Oh, shit. You know, um, one of the things is I don't really count. <laughs> <laughs> I learn is like if you count, you you allow yourself breaks. Like when I quit smoking weed, I don't like count the days that I quit smoking weed, because if I get two weeks away from quit smoking weed, then I'm like, I'm at two weeks. I can smoke a joint right now. You know what I mean? Like if you don't count, you don't allow yourself any breaks because you don't know how far you are from it. 
So when I started doing comedy, I never wanted to count the time that I was in because I didn't want to quit. And because and I quitted everything before I got into comedy, bro. I quit everything I tried. I tried being a chef. You know, I tried I tried being, you know, like I wanted to be a pro fisherman at one time, like a pro angler. And like I, I quit at that, you know, and I had a good chance of doing that, actually. You know, and like... Uh, what, made, what made you not want to be a chef? Because I... Wanted to go to culinary school after after high school, and I tried to open a food business. The, last price, year. Of a, of the price of culinary school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to what? To get out and be a line cook for like ten years? Right. Nah, I'm good, dude. I'm good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I went up there and I found myself again. And <laughs> up until the fucking COVID happened. Now I'm gonna tell you right now, bro. I wasn't. It wasn't like automatic, and I would do it every week. Because there were times where, like, I had to go back. Like, my gun was, like, my guns were, like, my material, okay? And, and like, if I got in a fight, like, if I get in a fight and you're and I'm losing the fight, I'm going to pull my guns out, right? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's how it was. So every day I would look at it like that. Like, I was going to go in and rumble with these people. And, like, you know, I'm going to fight, <laughs> I'm going to punch, I'm going to kick. But if they start winning, I'm going to pull my guns out and start blasting motherfuckers. <clears throat> right, right. So, you know, what I was trying to do was I was trying to conjure that personality every time, though. Like, I wanted to get it dialed into the point where I could just get up every night, talk about what I want. You know who does that is Sinbad. Yeah. Sinbad's the baddest motherfucker in comedy, bro. Like, Sinbad, to me, is the baddest motherfucker in comedy. He, he, first one I ever saw saw him in a video calling out like you know like for the offering them to bring up a topic right because he doesn't write i read a book one time i thought he was full of shit oh wow i read this book uh oh man i can't remember bro um it was comedy comic insights it was all these different interviews with comics it was uh by a name guy named like something aj i can't remember right now but anyway um sinbad he asked sinbad how he writes he goes i don't write Wow. And he goes, what do you mean you don't write? You don't write anything? You don't even write? He goes, I don't even jot anything down in a fucking poster, man. Oh, shit. I and didn't know that. I do every night is different. And at the time, I remember thinking, this is bullshit. This is right when I first got in the comedy. I'm like, this is bullshit. Nobody does this. And then I watched Sinbad. I've seen Sinbad a couple of times. Most underrated comic in the fucking world. He is the baddest motherfucker, bro. Because he does not have, he doesn't write anything down. And every set he does is different, and every time he smashes. That dude is a beast and a half, bro. Like, and 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 I wanted to be like that, and I want to be like that. And and when I see Sinbad perform, I go, I could do that. I can harness that energy. But it takes a minute. I don't know if Sinbad did it right off the bat. Right. But, but for me, bro, like, I got to practice that shit. You know what I mean? Some nights I just, like, I can't do it. So I just go to, to material. To be totally honest, I thought you were already doing shit like that. Because, you know, I I mean, don't get me wrong. I've seen you do some certain jokes that you've done. Obviously, you have your, you know. But right. I, every time I see you, you go off the rails with shit I've never heard. So that's why I thought you already did shit. Well, I'll tell you where that comes from. And and it is, it's the same jokes. They're just told differently. Right. Um, and that came from when I first started running shows at the Improv. I was getting like 100, 150 people showing up every time. I was a popular bartender in San Jose, so it wasn't hard for me to pull an audience. The problem that I was having was people were like, they didn't want to hear the same shit. It's not like music where I want to hear your hits. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was told very early on, don't, because like, 
I crack up at comics that are new and I go, how you doing? They go, I come up with like a different 10 minutes every night or a different 20 minutes. So I got like an hour of material. Like, you know, a year in, I would hear comics like, I got like an hour of material. I go, no, you don't. No, you don't. You know, like you got an hour of garbage. And, and <laughs> so for me, I knew that because someone told me that. They're like, don't, you got to polish your set every single time you go up. You got to talk about the same thing. Don't let your crowd or your followers dissuade you from doing the same thing because you're a new comic. It'll damage you. And so I had to talk about the same thing, but I wanted to make it different for them every time I went up. So I would do the same jokes, but I would do them differently every time. You know, and and that worked. So it sounded like you were listening to something different. If you were keen enough, you would be like, hey, motherfucker does a different show every time. But people would come up to me and go, dude, you know what I like about you? You do the same jokes, but you do them differently, and they're funny every time you do them differently. And you, you so, know what I've also noticed, uh, to add to that, man? You do sometimes, like in the times that I've seen you, you do them out of sequence. Like it's, it doesn't follow a pattern. All yeah, the time. there's no don't. Yeah, that's the thing, bro. And I started to get into that. Yeah. As I started to get paid and I started to take it seriously and the money <clears> started flowing in, I started to give into that. And I started doing a college set. You know, that's and, crazy. <laughs> and I started because I started to see the stars, bro. Like I was, I was getting, I was getting on the road with uh, Felipe, and I was like, I was at performing in Vegas once a month with Edwin for seven days a week. You know, and like, yeah. dude, agents were hitting me up. I had an agent. Oh shit! And I started to take it seriously, and I started becoming obsessed with my fame over my passion. And like, man, it. it, it it made me a terrible person on top of it too it made me a disgusting human being and everything fell be be below me you know and i lost dude i lost everything bro because of that personality you know i lost um probably three quarters of a million dollar house Fuck. which i had at least you know 25 30 000, like two hundred fifty thousand dollars in equity oakland back to me yeah in oakland yeah i went there you remember that house you worked that house you 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 I came over. We came. I came over to bring you weed. <laughs> okay, that house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I had a relationship with someone. Like all my possessions were there. Like, bro, and like I was such a shitty person that, you know, in the end, she ended up cheating on me. Oh but, shit. Um, I I really do blame myself for creating so much drama and havoc around me. You know, and like it was, I was bound to lose it. And it was because I became a terrible person because I stopped caring about what I loved and I cared more about being famous and just being rich, you know? And like, because I could see, I watched Felipe go from like where I'm at now to where he's at now. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I watched George Perez, you know, go from getting out of prison. I just met him when he got out of the prison. That's crazy. You know? And then he was on like fucking Joe Rogan and shit, you know? Like I was like, <laughs> I was watching guys get famous and make money and I became obsessed with that and I didn't care anymore. Because it was so close to you already, right? Like, I mean, yeah, it was still so close, bro. Yeah, because you know what's crazy that you mentioned like George Perez. When I first started, I remember he was on like my suggested friends because he wasn't big yet. And like I've, I've had him as a friend on Facebook. Then all of a sudden like he's on Joe Rogan, like holy shit. Right. And yeah. you were working with these guys. So that, that's got, I'm sure that in you know what's crazy, bro? Is I remember watching that Piasso night. Yeah. And I had no idea that one day I'd be hanging out with all them dudes. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. You you performed with Jeff Garcia too. Yep. 
and a bunch of other yeah I, I just, Edwin, Felipe Felipe uh, dude like fucking dude Russell Peters is a homie you know what I mean like like I got like I made good friends in this business right right and I watched people get famous and I became obsessed with that you know and like when I lost everything and shit hit the fan I met I met the love of my life right after this... but I wasn't ready for her you know what I mean like <laughs> She was like, I'm not going to put up with that shit. And so I had to change in order to keep her in my life. Like, I had to, like, so I had to find, like, you know, some people find God. Like, I found mindfulness. You know what I mean? I found, like, Buddha and shit, dude. And I started to, like, realize, like, oh, dude, like, my karma's all fucked up. Like, my, my whole being, my whole vibe is wrong. And I slowly changed. And, and with that change, I found my passion again. Because I didn't care because I didn't care about material possessions anymore. One of the things that I lost in that relationship was everything I ever owned. Even my mom, who had passed away years before, had made these photo albums for me. That girl kept those things. Oh, she kept, shit. She kept my mom's 45s. She kept my mom's paintbrushes. You know, she kept my like my most prized possessions. <laughs> so I had to learn to let go of material possessions. And yep. in doing that. And I knew the best way to do that was like through mindfulness, right? This is not me trying to preach to anybody. This is just no, me yeah. the story, you know. Um, so I, I released those. I had to learn how to release material possessions, and in doing that, I became somewhat of a minimalist on accident, you know. Like I'm not a complete minimalist, fuck, but I like air conditioning and fucking meat. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, I started to learn like I don't need all that stuff. I don't need fortune and fame. What I do need is I need to be a good comic. I need to be a good entertainer. You know, I need to give unto those who give unto me. And and that was the thing, man. And so that's what I started doing, bro. You know, I get to perform for the military. I get to perform for a, a wounded veterans program called Our Heroes Dreams. And they bring me up into the middle of the mountains, dude. And uh, and and I get to, you know, I get to perform for these guys. And I love it, man. I fucking love them. I love performing for people. I love my favorite thing in the whole wide world is when someone comes up to me and they're like, hey, man, I've never been to a comedy show, but my uncle died or my brother died. or my... I don't know how many times I've had this instance happen. And they're like, and so my friend didn't want me to kill myself tonight, so they brought me out to a show. Holy shit. And you made me feel better, bro. Thank you. You made me laugh. You made me get away from that. And like, dude, like that is so huge to me. You know what I mean? That's bigger than money, dude. That's bigger than fame. That's bigger than anything. You know, like love from other human beings is the most prized possession in this world. And how I get love from other human beings is by being funny and like having a good time and like being, you know, generous yeah. with my time, not with my money. And that's why you want to be a better comic. That's crazy because I've, I've never heard of that before. Like, no, not that I've never heard of that. Right. But like to say you want to be a better comic because of that, not because, you you know, the fame. Right. No, no. And it was, it was a time where it was just for the fame. Like right. From the, from the very beginning, I would say, yeah, I wanted to be famous. Yeah. And then at some point, I realized like just getting to fame made me ugly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just knowing, because like people are like, you're next, bro. I mean, like people like, I remember having a conversation with Felipe Esparza and like he had brought me around. We've hung out with each other before, but he brought me out to Visalia on a whim. 
and I smashed, bro. I smashed it. The, the, the booker made me go up as a feature, which Felipe didn't want. He wanted his feature to be the feature, which that guy deserved it. But the booker knew my uncle. Um, so he kind of was like, you know, hey, now nah, I think I'm going to put Butch as the feature. And I smashed, bro. I had a good time. You know, I, I mean, I don't like to say I smashed, but no, I did well. Right, yeah. And I know I did well because Felipe, who never really gave me much credit at that time, came over before we left, and he goes, and I know that Felipe doesn't like dirty. He doesn't like uh, a lot of cursing in his act. And, and and he doesn't like cursing that goes up before him. He goes, you know what, bro? There's a market for you. He's all, you're good at being dirty. You're good at being foul. Like, follow that through, bro, because there are guys out there that are making money now that are that are being dirty and like and he goes you smashed it this whole weekend and he shook my hand bro and uh and i and i and that was a thing man in my eyes my eyes got huge bro it was like well dude these guys are saying i'm good and then the next thing i know you know i'm cool with joey but uh, i see him from time to time at shows and shit dude and he knows me and i know him and when he came to san jose i remember telling the san jose improv guy go look man i never asked for no favors from you but I've made you guys a lot of money on my off night shows. So I'm only going to pull one favor. Please, please let me open for Joey. And I opened for Joey. And at the time, Sal Kalani was his, his feature. And Sal's a good comic. He's a good comic. Let me, let me get you wrong. Don't get me wrong. But he didn't have a good weekend that weekend. And, um, and I did. And Joey was like, why the fuck are you not my feature? And then from that point on, for like two years, I was that dude's feature. You know, and like, and and then I started to see more and more, and then Joey, and then I watched Joey get big, you know, and that was like, when I did that, Joey was still doing Beauty and the Beast, and he was headlining one-nighters at like improvs around the country. Yeah. You know, but he wasn't trying <clears throat> out shows and doing weekends. He didn't have the, the he didn't have the house, you that, know? What, two, the church. like in the early, uh, like what, 2008? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> watching all those dudes fucked me up, man. It did in a way. It was good for me too because I learned a lot, but it fucked me up. Um, because I'm not the kind of guy you should give a lot of things to. You know, I, I'm, I you should never give me a lot of power, and you should never give me a lot of money because <laughs> I will fuck those two things up. Little breadcrumbs at a time. <laughs> little breadcrumbs at a time, dude. Just feed me, keep me hungry, and feed me a little bit at a time. That's how you keep from turning me into a monster. But you know, I think you're more prime now to be famous than you were back then. I think this is when you're like, it's crazy when you said that earlier. I don't think I'm ever going to be famous. And then, like, right. in a year, you're going to be on your fucking Netflix special. I'll tell you what did happen. The minute I let go of that dream, the minute I let go of those things that I wanted, I started getting booked more. Right. I started making better friends. I started getting, like, I started. Cause that was the thing too, man. What fucked me up was like I left the Bay Area all the time. Like I got picked up by Edwin in my first second year, and I toured with him. I was already touring in my second year of comedy, so I would come home and do open mics and shit. But I was hot shit, and everybody knew it. Yeah. And I knew it that everybody knew, it. and I was like, suck my dick. Everybody could suck my dick. <laughs> and so I wasn't creating great relationships when I was coming home. I was cocky and I was an asshole. Yeah. And what happened when I lost everything, bro? was I didn't have the stomach for hitting the road anymore. And at the same time, Joey was taking on bigger headliners like uh, 
you know, like Dean Del Rey and shit that, you know, because he was getting huge. So having some podunk little fucking feature from San Jose ain't going to ain't going to cut it, you know. Um, and and so I started to lose my bookings and I started to lose everything. And like when things fell apart for me, they fell apart perfectly for me because I learned a lot of lessons. And what happened is I like started slinking into the fucking open mics here and the showcases. And at the time I could get on any showcase, not because I was a good dude, but because I had a I had a good act and 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 I and I would work with 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 the with the big shots. Yeah. And and so I was able to slink in, but as I was doing that and I was changing my personality, the people that hated me before were kind of like, you could ask, dude, dude, the one who's most honest about this to me is Drew Harmon. Drew will straight up be like, bro, you're a fucking piece of shit back then, <laughs> but you're not now, and I love you for that, you know? And like, and that was the thing is you could start to see attitudes change. And 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 there goes the whole saying of you get more honey. What is it? What is it, babe? Um, I don't know. You get more honey with, like, with bees or some shit like that? You catch more bees than honey. You catch more bees with honey than with vinegar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so I started turning into honey. Mm. And then and then offers started coming to me. And yeah. for a while, Felipe didn't hear from me for a while. George didn't hear from me for a while. Joey didn't hear from me for a while. They didn't. They, it's not that they didn't care. They just were on their own paths, right? And I wasn't checking in. I wasn't showing up to L.A. anymore. And I started getting more bookings here. And, and I started getting better here. I started just staying home and just working every night at these little like um, showcases and these little bars. You know, I'd show up on Sunday at the Punch. Uh, every once in a while I might get a gig at the, at the Improv, but mostly bro, I was doing breweries and bars. And I, and I got better like fucking Rocky in, in Apollo's gym. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 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 <laughs> Apollo took Rocky out of out of his lifestyle and was like, "We're gonna train in L.A., bro. You're gonna <laughs> get on the beach. You're gonna chase chickens. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna beat a bag with all these brothers staring at you. You know what I mean? Down in a basement somewhere. And that's what I forced myself to do. And as I did, and it wasn't that I was forcing myself to do that. It was just what I was pushing. I was forcing myself to do it in a way where I was forcing myself into purgatory and punishment. Which is do you, that, you think that's the best way to be, be a better comic? Because I don't oh, yeah, know, bro. in comedy, success at an early whatever it kind of fucks you up, man. Right, be gritty, bro. Yeah. Uh, did you grow up? Did you, any of you guys grow up in a in a bad neighborhood? Yeah, before? I mean, yeah, I, I, I did. You, I, I mean, where the ramen? I grew up like close to the ramen. <laughs> okay, and and I grew uh, up in a small town in the south, so okay. Are not you, too bad right what about jd are you are you poor now you consider yourself poor uh no 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 right yeah no because you knew what poor was right you knew what gritty was you knew you didn't want to go back to that yeah but the one thing is is that like one of the things is man i used to i used to motherfuck my mom for the longest time because she was so mean she was abusive she was awful but she was tough Right, but I'm a tough person because my mom was so tough on me. I would be a huge pussy if my mom wasn't. Yeah, I remember hearing Tony Robbins say, "You gotta thank and love the people you motherfuck just as much as you motherfuck them, because they're the reason why you're here." I wouldn't be here if my mom wasn't a terrible mom. Like Tony Rob, that's a powerful thing, man. Tony Robbins is a, a millionaire. My mom was probably a billionaire. 
And he's like, if it, my mom didn't treat me like shit, I wouldn't be here talking motivation to you guys. Right. Okay? So that's the way you guys look irony at Irony of ironies. Right. Exactly. So you go to those little rough-ass gyms. You go to those little, like, down, down, like, crawl down in the fucking dankest, darkest place. You know what I mean? Um, go to the Copper Spoon. Copper Spoon's a great, bro, Copper Spoon's a great place for that. It's dank. It's it's like it's like a hole in the back of this place, and like everybody shows up waiting for you to fuck up. You know what I mean? Like champions are made in places like that. Yeah. And and so that's what you gotta do, man. Is you gotta go to those places, and and put in work, and you put in work until you can't anymore, and then you go and put in more work, until 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 that pain that you're feeling that like. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything in my life. Like until that pain isn't is numb. Until your brain is numb from that shit, and you're just dude, you're just a monster who just wants to devour audiences. That's you know what, man. Like I, I the first two shows that I did, I killed. It was easy, and you know, part of it was uh, a lot of the crowd were my old high school homies who, yeah. you know they heard i was doing stand-up yeah, so they came to see too, bro. what yeah. a fuck yeah exactly so then after that wow. i did a bunch of open mics and i remember the first open mic i did i had like this whole like oh i just killed two shows bro this is gonna you know whatever and i i bombed so hard that I, as soon as i got off stage i walked out because like i don't want anybody to see me <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to look anyone. I remember I made it a, a point to walk out of there without making eye contact with anyone. Because <laughs> it felt like shit. But then uh, I, I then, the, then the, <laughs> the, the, the fourth time I did another open mic and it, I bombed even harder. So then afterwards, I even questioned because a lot of people in my early years told me I was funny, you know, like right. um, I always like to tell jokes around the dinner table with cousins and whatnot. And we used to do the, we used to do like these roast sessions with the cousins. I think that's what kind of, you know, got me in, interested in wanting to to tell jokes. But at that point, you know, so I had done what that was like my fourth time ever performing on stage. Yeah, I remember questioning, was I even funny at all all along? <laughs> Have I even been funny? Is it yeah. just people telling me that I'm funny? Like I started to question that shit, man. And it's that's easy. it's an easy mistake to make. We yeah, all do it. And we all like, cause the same thing for me, man. I perform at the improv in front of like 250 of my friends. Yeah. Cause I worked at the bar right. and, and, and I did five minutes and it, and it crushed, but it was, it was my friends who were talking about the bar. You know what I mean? If yeah. I go to fucking, now if I get booked in LA and I go, Hey, I work at this bar called the caravan. And I say, hey, dude, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it's almost a disservice to yourself. Dude, I remember doing Richmond jokes for fucking like these techie crowds in uh, was that city Burling Burlingame? Oh, <laughs> and it's like, they, yeah, they don't know what the fuck. Mm-hmm. They don't you know. Know what the fuck about Richmond, bro. Yeah, they don't fuck. They've never seen a crackhead. Like get the fuck yeah. out of here. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing, man. Um, like, I love bombing. Yeah. Let me just say that I yeah. love. My girlfriend pointed this out. Hey, baby, there's rice right here. Um, oh, okay. Um, my girlfriend pointed this out earlier. Like we were just having a conversation, and she was like, 
I've heard you say that you love bombing. Right? What was what were we talking about earlier? Actually, I think that was like I said. Dave Chappelle said something that you always say. Oh yeah, okay. Which is that you love, and it's true. You do it. Sometimes you purposely dig yourself into a hole, right? <laughs> just so that you can dig yourself back out and like put out a big challenge, right? And you sometimes um, people will try to come to your rescue, and I'm like. No, no, no. He's, no. Having, yeah. he's having a great right. time right now. Right. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, so I I do that. Like, I love that, bro. And I remember when that happened to me, I was in the Modesto. And I was bombing, right? And I remember thinking, like, they already hate me. <laughs> so what do I give a fuck what I say next? Right? And that's always been my attitude. Is, like, if they already hate you, just start throwing shit out there. Because they're not going to hate you more than they already hate you. Hate is the bottom of that barrel right there. And, and <laughs> the only way you can go is up. only way you can go is up, baby. So I just was like, like, man, I love bombing now. There's times I'll just get bored with the audience, and I'd shit on them, and I'd bring them down. And I'd be like, fuck <laughs> you guys, dude. And I hate you fucking white people, man. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'd bring them down, and then I'd come back, and I'd bring them back up. And there was times where I would like look at, like if I had a friend with me, I'd be all watch, hey bro, I'm gonna bomb for the first like five or 10 minutes. And then I'm gonna smash at the end to where they're gonna love it. You know, and like, I love that shit, bro. I love it. Like there's something about like being stuck in a rut and digging yourself out. You know, like I love um, watching- gotta... go go No, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. I love watching documentaries about military dudes. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys ever uh, read a book called, oh, man, dang, dude. It's by a Navy SEAL dude named David Goggins. And, oh, can't hurt me no more. Yeah. Bro, that dude is exactly what I want, what I am in comedy, or I feel like I am. Like, I resonated so much with that book. And the book is basically about this dude who, who loves pain. Like, he loves being broken down. So he could, like, come back from being broken down. And the more you break him down, the more he's like, I'll come back even harder. You know? And, like, I love that shit, bro. I love hearing about battles where dudes were in, like, I'm, I'm stuck, in the, stuck in the bush. All my fucking dudes are dead or, like, they're, like, they, they're wounded. And then we got, like, two clips of ammo left. You know? And so I just started fucking killing fools. You know? Like, I love shit like that, dude. I love from behind victories. Like, being cornered. That's That's... Being cornered on stage, like it, it, yeah. yes, I yeah. love see, I, yeah, I love seeing that. <laughs> like you know, I love seeing other people do that because to me, that's just something I'm still trying to master. And that's the thing, man. Is like you ever watching like a movie where dudes like purposefully gets cornered, and then yeah. he takes out the big guns, and everybody's like, "Oh fuck, yeah, with the wrong dude." And he's got that's a bunch of booby yeah. traps set up. Yeah, I would bring him in. I bring. I get him to hate me. Give yeah. me hate. Me, give me. You know what, dude? That 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 Bill Burr in Philadelphia is exactly that. Oh yeah, that's fucking great, man. Twenty-one, twenty-one who hasn't seen that, I recommend to go watch Bill Burr's Philly rant. If you're a comic and you haven't seen Bill Burr's Philly rant, then you're not a comic. <laughs> you have not graduated yet. That <laughs> that shit is the best thing ever, and it's so motivating. That felt yeah. relieving, even though I don't have any. You dog in that fight. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm gonna watch that after I get off this thing, bro. Was that? I think I'm gonna watch it when I get off. Oh yeah, dude. I I watched it uh not that long ago because 
like you, man, I've, I've been missing that energy of live, anything live, just live shows. And um, I bumped into this YouTube video because you, you brought up something that just like it, 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 it was a memory you pulled out of my head when you were saying something earlier about being comfortable on stage. I, I, I'm sure you're familiar with Bill Hicks. Um, oh, yeah, I love Bill Hicks. Oh, yeah. I saw that there's this YouTube video floating around. Someone found a tape recorder that he had or whatever. I don't know if you've seen it. It's on YouTube, but it's like a tape recorder. And it's like, it sounds like he was doing a podcast. So he's just in his room. He's, he's before he's before he got famous and he's talking about how he got comfortable for a while, just performing at the, at the comedy store. And, um, and he was just doing, he got real good at telling his jokes. He made it a point to say he got real good at telling his jokes. Right. And he, he got, I guess he said, he, it's funny how, long time ago my friend bob bob saget he i guess bob wasn't big at that point yet so he was like he he took him to this other show in some other part of town that wasn't really big and then he's talking about he just decided to go off the script and um and it got fun again and that, that's something i experienced when i started doing those shows at bridge the, 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 the venue that you did man that shit was so fun i love that place that's that's when I, I also experienced, man. Like, I, I felt like I, it was, it's, you know, you become, like you say, you become good at telling your jokes, but then you don't have fun. Yeah. And that's that's what I miss about, like, the live magic. Because a lot of my, some of my jokes, man, I, I, I've written, like, on the, uh, on the, off the cuff, like, on stage. Like, a lot of my best stuff that I kept. Like I've I've done it that way. I mean, you know that in right the yeah. pressure of it makes makes like you know like it turns the kernels into popcorn. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> yeah, it makes the diamond, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the thing is like I watch a lot of comics float all the way to the top, man, by making it easy on them, and that's great for them, bro. I admire that. Honestly, I do admire that. But that's not how I work. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Um, I don't get up and go until I have to get up and go. I've been like that my whole life, dude. I'm a lazy bastard like that. <laughs> but, but yeah, go ahead. No, I just wanted to share this story with you, man, because I never told you this. But this is from a day we we did a couple of open mics, or I don't. I, we were going to Santa, to Santa Clara, and I was riding with you. And I remember that day we were smoking on the way there. And I'm be honest, man, I don't do well under weed, but because I was like, I admired you as a person. And I admire, you, I admire you as a comic. I yeah. was like, "Fuck yeah, man!" I've, I, I, the other time I did something similar to that, where I like to be home when I'm, when I'm yep. be, yeah, like I don't have to drive, I don't have to go anywhere. Like that's that's how I'm comfortable. The only time I I've done that was that day, and when I got and I got to smoke with uh Jay Lane, who was in Primus. I uh, went to one of like their their studio sessions, and I was like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> like, yeah, because he offered. I was like, "Yeah," even though I had to drive. But that day, we I picked you up. I think we I think we smoked like two blunts from your house at your place in Oakland. Right. <laughs> well, you did most of the smoking. <laughs> <laughs> but on the way there, like I, I remember, I never. Or man, I'm like a two. I remember that weed. That was the blue note that 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 blue, my buddy had like uh, blue crack. Like, yeah, it was blue crack. That's what it oh, was. Shit. <laughs> and that shit was blue crack, dog. I remember I used to give that to the dudes at uh, 
Lucky three seven. That little oh, Filipino man. spot. I would give them a little couple baggies. They give me free food. That's how good that shit was. Oh damn! Yeah, no, yeah, I remember. Dude. I used to buy. I bought like four ounces of that from you because I was selling them to these guys who didn't want to. You know, this was back when it was illegal. Right. So it's like, so you roll like two blunts of that, and on the way there, man, like I think we were close, close to San Jose, and I, I was, I, I have anxiety problems. Right. And yeah, I'm, I didn't know I'm, that. <laughs> yeah. But I'm driving and all of a sudden, I don't know if you remember this, but I kind of pulled over in the freeway and I pretended like I something was wrong with the car. What it was, dude, I couldn't feel my legs. Yeah. <laughs> I was freaking out, dude. I was like, I can't drive. I gotta pull right, over. Pull your shit together, bro. Yeah. Oh wow. Dude, that's I was like I gotta I was, body. Yeah, I was like, I gotta have to, I'm gonna have to tell this guy, hey dude, can you drive? But I was like, nah man, get it together. Let's go. Let's go tell some jokes. Right. And uh, and yeah, dude, that was crazy. That that's I never because I don't want to like, you know, like I admire you as a comic, so I don't want to come off as a whip. That you. is hilarious, bro. I've been there. I feel you. I have been there. Uh wow. Yeah, I've been there with several guys before. I'm like, man, I don't want to get high, but this guy hired me, so I better smoke some weed, and then I freak out. Uh, I remember. Uh, I know we gotta get off here soon, but I remember. Yeah. I remember uh, Edwin saying, "So I quit smoking weed when I when I first got into comedy. I didn't smoke weed. Like for years, I didn't smoke weed. So when I first met Edwin and was touring with him, I didn't smoke weed. But I started to get because like I started doing these 420 shows and these like weed companies wanted to sponsor me. And High Times was like giving me a tour, and I was like, "Fuck, dude, I better start smoking weed again." <laughs> so I started smoking weed again, and um, but I wasn't, dude. One of the things I don't like about weed is it makes me think too focused on myself, right? Yeah. And one of the things that I was afraid of with comedy was that I would talk myself out of doing comedy if I was high. Because I would tell myself, like, what do you do? People don't care about you. People don't care about what you have to say. Stop fucking yeah. looking stupid on stage. Jesus Christ, dude. Be a man. And, like, so I was afraid of that. So I would never get high and, and bring it around comedy. I would just get high at home. And then yeah. Edwin San Juan hired me. He's a he's a resident in, in Las Vegas. And when he funny first ass got, guy. Funny ass dude. So when he got his first residency in Vegas, he hit me up and said, hey, man, I want you to be a regular. You come out once a month fuck with me for seven days out of the month so you know that's an opportunity you can't turn down bro and like i mean how many vegas residents do you know you know what i mean like so i would fly out there i flew out there and we would smoke we smoked weed when i first got out there in the morning and and then we were getting ready for the show that night we did seven days in a row nine o'clock at night every night that dude works nine o'clock every night seven days a week except for super bowl sunday only day he takes off um and so he goes all right man we're gonna get ready to go dude it's rolling up bro let's smoke and i go oh well ed <laughs> well i don't really i don't like to smoke <laughs> before shows and he goes uh no you're gonna smoke before the show tonight and i'm like look man <laughs> you hired me you're gonna get a shitty show you're gonna have a shitty feature if i go up there high and he goes i don't care it's my show go ahead and be shitty Get high, smoke the tea. <laughs> and for that seven days in a row, bro, I went from being mortified to being like, God damn, dude, I love this shit. You know? <laughs> and uh, I forced myself. So yeah. where are you now? You smoke weed when you get up? 
Uh, no, I I just do it every once. You know what? Yeah, this is gonna this is this is horrible, dude. I, while we were talking, while we've been since you, I, right when you picked up the phone and and you you dialed in with us, I right. fucking dropped my bong, dude. It just shattered. I don't know if you guys heard that earlier, but oh, I, fucking, I did hear something, bro. Yeah, and I was like, it's only it's only you know appropriate that I get a good bong rip and and fucking broke it, man. But yeah, I I mean I you know what um I totally keep it separate from comedy right. uh like That's people cool. is perform, performing for now just because you know i i've always had issues with anxiety dude so right. like, it, it, but yeah dude i um i want to tell you like before we 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 you this this uh i was watching this documentary or interview i forgot what it was it was uh paul mooney and he was talking about makes a good comic someone asked him what makes a good comic and he said Good comics. Uh, some people can become good comics. They can, you know, they can not become a really good over sure. time. But comedians are born, and comedy finds them. And that's exactly what I, th- I thought of a motherfucker like Butch or Chris yeah, Thorne. Bro, thank you. Fuck Chris Thorne, but thank you. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying. Like that, you you came to mind when I thought right. of that, and I was like. Yeah, man. Like, because like it's crazy that you said that that you weren't into comedy because I wasn't either, and it was just like it's 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 the beautiful thing when the art you were meant to be in finds you. And man, yeah, I, man, yeah, that's weird. I never thought of it like that, dude. I never thought of it like that. But I I have uh, high hopes, well, not high hopes. I I see you doing big shit in the comedy game, man. Uh, like I, it just it's there's people you see it in, you know. It's like I seeing, hope so, man. <laughs> I, I hope I can go back and do what I used to do. Oh, dude. I hope I can go back too. I hope when I do go back, I can do what I do. And you know what? I think watching you at uh, on on the What's Up Fool and just hearing you mention, I was like, yeah, that guy, that guy, man. Like I told you this in our private DMs before. Like I think you, you know, in my opinion, you're you should be maybe even you know at the same level as Felipe or more. Based on, uh, you, I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah, that. And and any, uh, any, any, any way, like before we go, any way we can, uh, if people want to, our listeners want to, uh, follow you or li- or watch some of your you stuff. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I still got like about a thousand people left for room on, on Facebook, or maybe less than that now. No, I think I got like 4,000 something. Um, I, man, check out my YouTube. But right now, my baby is my podcast, man. I've been doing a podcast been interviewing uh not famous people but the most interesting people in my life right and uh like i'm about to interview my girlfriend's dad nice um the guy went to school with like liza minnelli and like a bunch of different people like he got brought on stage as a marine by milton burrow and like he's like you know he just has all these great stories that i could just sit and listen to for hours so you know, I want to bring Charlie on there. I'm going to bring my dad on there. He was in Vietnam. He played in the minor leagues. You know, um, I had a I had a friend, my buddy who uh, lost his leg, got both knees shot off in, in Afghanistan. Oh, shit. Um, and he runs that, he runs that wounded, that uh, Our Heroes Dreams program. I had him on. He's going to be out next week. I had Sammy Obeid on. He did like a thousand and one nights of comedy. He did a hundred. Like he, he just did our show here a few weeks ago. Did he do your show? Yeah. Hey, you know what, bro? I love Sammy. He's the most down-to-earth human being on the planet, dude. Yeah. Like that's see, that's why God will give gifts to people that way, bro. Right. 
Right. I don't believe in God, so I don't even know what I'm talking about. But God, <laughs> he will give gifts to you if you stay humble. Yeah. Sammy is yeah. a perfect example of that, bro, because Sammy is the chillest motherfucker on the planet. And he's, and he's going to be famous one day. He's going to be a great, he's going to be one of the greats. Yep. I promise you that. Yeah, I agree. Like, like Kabizi's hilarious, but Kabizi's going to die at, one, at some point. You know what I mean? He's going to coke, or he's going to fade into some fucking bad fucking depression and become homeless. <laughs> but Sammy is going to be famous. And yeah. He's gonna be, and he's going to deserve everything because he is, dude, because Sammy. Sammy is the is the turtle in the race. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's just, hey, bro, he's just there. I love that dude, man. I can't say enough about that guy. Oh yeah, that guy, he's he's always been sweet. And um like I told him, I, I think I mentioned this when I interviewed him, like his fame didn't it hasn't seen it doesn't seem like it's 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 hit uh it's affected him how he treats all Not his other all. comics. Not at all, bro. Yeah. Not at all. I, I couldn't I, I thought it was like going on a limb asking him to do my podcast. Right. No, yeah, he's, he was he's like, yeah, sure. And then even when we like set up the date and time, I was like, he ain't gonna show up, bro. This is fucking hundred humans on Netflix, bro. exactly. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean, like he's been on Conan. I can't even count. You know, what I mean? right. like, the dude is like, he's a, he's he's the wizard. And there yeah. he was, bro. He shows up, pops up on my monitor, and we talked for an hour, man. It was a great conversation about comedy. I've just posted that one. That's the latest one I have out. So people want to check that out, especially comics. If you're a comic. And you're listening to this right now, do yourself a favor. There's two episodes that I, I made for just for comics. And of course anybody could listen to it, but you know, this was strictly for the homies. Um, was uh DNA, uh, who runs a comedy club and in Santa Cruz, right? Santa Cruz and is yeah. is the coolest fucking gatekeeper on the planet. I don't even think he likes being called a gatekeeper because he doesn't he doesn't fuck around like that. Like if yeah. you want to try comedy, DNA will fuck with you. And he will make you a great comic. And then the second one is Sammy Obey. Those ones two are for the comics. The next one coming out is for my military boys. Um, all my boys overseas. Shout out to all the fucking troops, baby. I love you guys. And uh, so listen to that one. You know, but yeah, dude, check those out. Right on, man. Hey, dude, I appreciate you coming on. I, I just want to ask you since you we talked a lot about this. Because, you know, I did I do a lot of Richmond shows, especially last year. I did a lot of Richmond yeah. shows. Aside from my shows, I got I got like I got booked on like other people's private events, like the little private Richmond. Yeah, man, you're working. I can see you out there, bro. Yeah, well, before the COVID, man, I was. But like um, and I, I met a lot of people in, in like especially a lot of dudes in Richmond who who are these little hood guys who's like, man, I always wanted to try comedy. And I know some of them listen. Those people that have that little itch, like, I really want to try comedy, but I don't know. What, right. what advice you got for them, man? Um, Get up every night, wherever you can. Hone that shit for, like, six years. Learn how to write. You know, but uh, uh, my first advice has always been the, the these two things, man. Get up every night and work on the same 10 minutes for at least a year to two years. And 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 uh, and enjoy enjoy this thing, and when you start to not enjoy it, switch it up. You know, those, that's my advice. But yeah, definitely go up every night, man. Find a find a place to get up, and especially right now, man. If you're trying to find comedy, there's open mic zooms. Yep. How easy is it? You don't even have to get on stage. You just yeah. got to get on your, your 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 phone or camera, 
and and saying some some jokes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you can like, see faces. You yeah, see faces. Man, I want to see new people out there right now doing the Zoom stuff, dude. Yeah. And if anybody needs advice, if anybody's listening to this and I don't know you, send me a message. Butch Escobar on Facebook. I'm the only motherfucker. I think I, I'm I'm not I don't know if I'm the only Butch Escobar, but I'm the only Butch Escobar who's a comedian on Facebook. So send me a message, Butch. I need some advice. How do I go about doing this? I always am happy to show people what I know. That's I, great. I That's great because for me, have an opportunity to do this. Right, man. Because like when guys ask me, like you know, some of those guys ask me, like I'm still trying to figure this out. I don't know. If you're you the best the, guy to if go you to. get to the answer first, I'll tell me. I'll tell you why. You're the best guy to go to. I have Felipe Esparza as a mentor. I've had Joey Diaz as a mentor. I've had um, I've had Edwin San Juan, Tony Kameen. Um, You know, I've had some really great mentors in in, in comedy. But I'll, my greatest mentor is Chris Storen, and he's only like two years in front of me, yeah. and that's why he's my greatest mentor. Because as much as you could teach me about the big, huge uh, canopy that is comedy. I need to know what's right in front of me. And and I, and Chris has always been two steps in front of me. So, you know, he toured a year before I started touring. You know, he got headliner before I got headliner in two years. And 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 so he was always able to be like, here's what here's what I know right now. Here's what I'm going through. So as much as I could be a great source, I feel like people that are new like you or people that are newer like you, I mean you've been around for a minute, but yeah. you know. Um, you're the best source for those people because you know what they're going to go through next. What happened to you when you first started doing comedy is fresh in your mind. What happened to me could be just an illusion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true, man. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's great. Well, if it's when it's something you're still trying to figure out yourself, that's what I mean. Like, it's sometimes it's hard to give that advice, but I guess, like, when you put it in that respect, I'm just overthinking it. Right, I, yeah. Tell uh, them what you know, bro. Anybody yeah. can be a teacher as long as they know what they're talking about. Right on, man. And, hey, and, and how you do that is by just talking about what you know. You know what I mean? I'm not going to tell you what it's like to be a fucking famous headliner because I'm not a famous headliner. But I can tell you what it's like to go to these dungeons and these holes and these fucking like breweries out in the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can tell you what it's like to go overseas and perform with the troops. You know, I can tell you how to deal with... Uh, famous comics to hit you up. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can tell you all that stuff because I've experienced it. And and that's really where my advice comes. It doesn't come from this, like, know-it-all person who thinks that they're so good. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, yeah, man, I, good luck on that. I tried doing that before. Well, man, I'm excited to see where you're going to be a year from now, bro. Me too. I'm excited to see where all of us are going to be a year from now. Yeah, exactly. Who's who's left? <laughs> who's left? And, you know what I mean? You have no idea, bro. Like, bro, I appreciate you taking the time, man. I don't want to take yeah. more with your time. Yeah, I would love to I have did, you on man. again, bro. Please do. Please hit me up anytime. Will do, man. Hey, man, you have a good night, all right, bro? Thanks all right, my again. brother. I love you, man. Thank love you guys too, so much. Have a good evening. All right, guys, that's been The Voice Party. We're out. Woo!